Hi founders. It's a sad reality that most startups will outgrow their founding CEO. So I want to talk to you about how to handle that situation and make sure the outcome generates the most positive result, both for you, the founding CEO and for the business. And I'm going to use as an example, my own experience going through this because I had to go through that exact process and it worked out really, really well because of the way I approached it. Welcome to Feel the Boot, the science of startups. I'm your host, Lance Cottrell, and I'm here to help you navigate the nearly vertical learning curve you're going to encounter as you launch your business. I know what it's like. I have been there myself and I have helped countless other founders along their journeys. When I founded Anonymizer back in 1995, I was a solo founder and I left my PhD in astrophysics to form the company. And that was not really an ideal background, right? I had no experience in management, in marketing, in sales, in business really whatsoever. Uh, but fortunately I was smart and willing to work hard. So I really made an academic study of those topics and taught myself a lot of what I needed. But at some point, the company was really needing more than I had the experience to give. Then the dot-com bubble burst and things just got worse. We growth slowed, things got harder. We were having difficulty with marketing and I was still largely making things up as I went along. And at one of the board meetings shortly after that, some of the board members approached me and said, we think that the company needs someone who has experience in business, has run companies before, understands all of these things in practice at a level that I was just beginning to get my hands around uh, at a conceptual level. And they made a pretty compelling case that that would be a better thing for the business. So if you ever find yourself having this kind of conversation, stop and take a deep breath. It's incredibly important to let go of your ego. This is an incredibly emotional conversation to have, right? The stakes are very high. Someone's asking you to basically hand over your baby that you've spent the last couple of years slaving over to someone else. But you want to stop and ask yourself, what is going to be best for the business? And in the long run, since your outcome depends on the business being successful, what is the best outcome for you? Should you really still be the one in the CEO chair? And furthermore, do you even want to be CEO? Do you want that job? I think a lot of people are so passionate about being the CEO, being the boss. But in fact, what they love doing is building the products or inventing new things or you know, other in the business kind of activities. Whereas what they don't really want to do is spend all of their time managing other managers and talking to investors and promoting the company, being the spokesperson for the company in many cases. If that's not the job you want, you should be running away from that job. Like give that to someone else, give it to someone else who can do it well and is temperamentally suited to take that position. It's always useful, not just in times like this, to ask yourself, what does the business require of you? What should you be doing to most impact that? And when you go and talk to those board members or anyone who's suggesting that maybe you should step down as CEO, that's the perspective to take, not a defensive posture, not a how dare you take my company away from me, but make an argument about what is best for the business. And if you truly believe that you staying on as CEO is the best option, 
then you need to make that case strongly and clearly. However, for me, I could see pretty quickly that I was not the right person to be the CEO at that point and that it made sense to bring in someone who could really help the company grow. Before I talk about how I personally handled and navigated this situation, I need to take care of a little bit of business. First, we have merch now. So if you'd like to get a fill the boot mug or water bottle, t-shirt, jacket, just go to fillthebootcom slash merch. Lots of stuff, it helps support the channel. Speaking of supporting the channel, it really helps us, if you're getting value out of this content, to like, subscribe, and ring the bell. That'll make sure you get more content like this, which helps you, and it tells YouTube what kind of people like to watch these videos, and that helps us. And it helps us reach more founders, which is, after all, the whole point of this exercise. Finally, if you want to get one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, join our mailing list, Bootprints. Go to fieldtheboot.com, click the big join link. I'll also put a link down in the description. And when you get every single issue, it comes with a link to my Calendly so you can get one-on-one -on -one mentoring to talk about really any issue you need. I help founders on all kinds of things, and I love talking to you. It's really energizing. I learn a ton, and of course, it actually inspires most of these episodes. The first thing I did after recognizing that we did need to bring in an outside CEO is grab the initiative. I knew I didn't want the board finding a replacement and forcing them down my throat. So I immediately started the process of finding my replacement myself. And one of the first things I did was reach out and engage the board on helping me put together the requirements for the CEO, working out what kind of background and skill set and experience did we want that person to have. That was very effective. So I came out of that discussion, both with the board behind my efforts to find a replacement, the board also in support of the kind of CEO I was going to hire because they helped me put together those requirements. Of course, it was really helpful to me because I hadn't hired a CEO before, so their input was invaluable. At this point, we did not have the money to do a big paid executive search. So I found my CEO candidates by reaching out to my personal network. I let everyone know that I was looking for a CEO and what kind of CEO I was looking for. And out of the many people I contacted, a few of them had a few ideas and one of them turned out to be a home run. In this case, it turned out it was my real estate agent, the person who'd rented me my office space. He also rented office space to almost all of the other startups in San Diego. And so he was in contact with the C-suite of almost every tech company in the city. So when I put out the word to him, the next day, five stellar resumes landed on my desk. It's an amazing outcome. But it just goes to show, you never know who's going to be able to solve that problem for you. So be profligate with who you reach out to. I might have been able to address this deficiency in the company by hiring a experienced COO, someone who could be running those aspects of the business while I held on to the CEO title. But I spent some time thinking about what I wanted. Did I really want the CEO job? and all the things that entailed. And at that point, we were still really inventing the technologies that we were putting out there. There was a huge amount of activity that I needed to be personally involved with. So being CEO didn't make a lot of sense. Also, 
we knew that when we were going to do fundraising, it would be easier to fundraise with a really credible, somewhat older CEO at the helm rather than me, a, at the time, quite young founder. I've never been that hung up on titles, so giving up the title of CEO was not a big deal for me. However, I was somewhat concerned about power and control. I was worried that if we brought in a CEO, he might in a few months or years decide to push me out. And I didn't want to be pushed out of my company. I was very passionate about what we were doing and wanted to make sure that we held to the integrity and vision that I created for the business. That was a huge value for me. But fortunately, I had the ownership stake to be confident that they weren't going to be able to do that. Right? If they tried to fire me, I could actually fire the CEO and put myself back in. The board didn't have that much control over me. Uh, but I also knew I really didn't want the CEO's job and I stayed on as being the chair of the board and as chief scientist. Chief scientist seemed to be the title that worked best for me. Once I had those five resumes on my desk, I now needed to try to work through which of these looked like the best candidate. Frankly, they were all pretty good. So once again, I went back to my board and advisors to get their input on what they thought of each one of these individual candidates to narrow it down to just two that were the best fits. And then I did the usual interview, right? You sit down with them, you talk about the business, you talk about their background, get to know them, try to get a sense of what they are as people. But as we all know, interviews aren't really that effective. Right? You try your best to work out whether this is gonna be a fit, but a single meeting with someone doesn't tell you very much. So from there, we decided to mutually test drive each other. So the final selection that I made, Bill, we agreed that he was gonna come on for about three months of work and would actually work in the business right alongside me, effectively doing the same thing he would be doing as CEO, although of course with my veto authority because he wasn't actually an employee yet. Uh, but that would allow me to get a sense of what is it like to work with this person? And it allowed him to get a sense of what is it like to work with me? Am I able and willing to let go of that control and let him be CEO? It also gave him a chance to look under the covers of the business and really understand how were we doing? Had I painted an accurate picture of the company, right? Because no one wants to jump into an airplane and then discover that the engines are all out and it's hurtling towards the ground. So he needed to develop that confidence. So it's certainly not a one-way street. It was not that I was testing him for three months or that he was testing me, but we were really testing each other and understanding what that relationship was going to be like. And this one is incredibly important. Because over the next couple of years, I spent far more time with Bill than I did with my wife. And that's going to be a typical scenario. And you're going to go through very tense situations. I guarantee you, we went through very, very tense situations in the company. There were some extremely hard times that we had to weather. And if we didn't have a really cordial, good working relationship, that could have been disastrous. But those three months allowed me to develop confidence that we had, in fact, picked the right person. And in retrospect, it worked out wonderfully. We're still very good friends now that we're both long gone from the business. Part of the key to this is mutual respect. This person coming in has to respect your experience, your vision, the things you've done in this company and the ways you are going to contribute in the, in the future. They need to appreciate the contributions you're going to make. 
at the same time, you need to respect them. You need to understand that you have let go of the duties and powers that the CEO has. That person is now the CEO, they're the executive boss of the company, and you need to be comfortable recognizing that and deferring to that. And ideally, you want to because you recognize that they are better at those things than you were and it will do better for the company, right? The company will thrive in ways that it could not if you try to hold onto the reins a little bit longer. As it turns out, I eventually gave up the role of chairman of the board as well. I stayed on the board, but by this point we'd pivoted to working primarily with the government. And while I had a reputation in the privacy space and was quite well known, I had no background at all in the government. And we knew that to be selling to some of our customers, it would help if we had that sort of gravitas and government connections that would make us feel legitimate to those kinds of customers. So we brought on a retired admiral and he took over the position of chair of the board. But again, really nothing fundamentally changed. Making him chair and having me just be a board member didn't really change the power dynamics in the company. It didn't change my ability to influence the direction of things. It didn't reduce my ability to sort of push forward my vision. I was still with Bill, the ones briefing the board at every board meeting. It's just now the Admiral was the one sort of calling the meeting to order and, and ending it. And we had his name on the website and his picture in each one of our sales decks. And that's what it was really about. We needed someone with that role and that experience that we could put forward to the government. And of course, we've been careful about hiring and bringing him in too. So he was in fact an excellent fit and had been on the board for some time and helping us with our government strategy. So it was a very smooth transition. But again, it's always not what did I want, what was always best for me, but what was best for the company. Because in the long run, the company kicking ass is how I do well. This experience with relinquishing titles and power came in really useful when I finally sold the company. And I then had handcuffs on, right? I agreed as part of the sale to stay on for multiple years with the acquiring company. But by this point, I had understood where I functioned best and had made peace with not being the boss anymore. So when I was now part of an existing power structure, I was able to sort of let that part of the ego go and fit in. And that also worked out really well. I only planned to stay for a couple of years, but because we were working on such interesting things and the company that acquired us had connections I couldn't imagine or dream of, it took us into these amazing opportunities. I actually stayed on for a lot longer than I had planned, but it was a great ride and still very close with that CEO and that entire team because I wasn't a thorn in their side being this sort of entitled ex-CEO. This pattern of companies outgrowing the CEO doesn't just apply to the CEO, it can apply throughout the founding team, right? If you bring in a CFO, it's likely that they're really a glorified bookkeeper when you're a two-person company, and by the time you're a hundred-person company, you need someone with a different skill set, much more experience dealing with the kind of financial issues that come up for larger companies. And you'll probably need to be bringing in someone else into that role. A company I was advising came to me asking for help recruiting a CTO for the business. They were building out a software suite and needed someone who could really get in there and take things to the next level. And I said, 
I know the perfect guy for you. This person can come in, he knows how to work fast, he knows how to bolt together existing components quickly rather than you know building everything from scratch. He can get you from zero to 1.0 faster than anyone else I know. He will be perfect for you. You will sing my praises six months after you hire him. But two years after you hire him, you will curse my name every day because this guy is a snake eater. He, he's, he's like a special forces guy. He can go out into the jungle and make things happen, but he's not able to work with authority. He wouldn't work within a structure. He's not a good manager and doesn't take management well. This was going to be a very bad situation, but they weren't in a position to find the CEO, CTO that they needed in two years now, and the CTO two years from then, probably wouldn't be able to deliver this super fast held together with duct tape and bailing wire 1.0 version that they needed, right? They needed things to happen instantly and fast and cheap with a small team. So they hired him. It played out exactly as I thought. He was perfect and the company outgrew him and they eventually needed to move him off and there were some complexities with that. But this happens all the time. And so be prepared for it both for yourself and something to watch out for for everyone else on your team as well. Thanks for watching this episode. I hope you found it useful and interesting. If you did, please do the usual like, subscribe, ring the bell. It tells YouTube what kind of information you'd like to get so you see more interesting videos and really helps our channel. I appreciate it very much. If you want one-on-one -on -one help, go subscribe to Bootprints at feeltheboot.com. You get a link to set up office hours with me in every single issue. Since we're talking about improving CEO skills, one video that you might find interesting is on delegation. You don't scale, and as the company grows, you need to learn to delegate, and it's a skill a lot of founders find challenging. And if you need a coffee cup or any other Feel the Boot in emblazoned merch, uh, go over to feeltheboot.com slash merch. And until next time, ciao.